so the curtain falls on Norwich City's 2022-23 season and also on Temu Puki's career in yellow and green. It was an emotional, angry, uh, maybe even predictable day at Carrow Road on Bank Holiday Monday as Norwich City were beaten by Blackpool by a goal to nil in their final fixture of the season. This is the latest edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, brought to you in association with Future Radio. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Southwell. And joining us to dissect that dismal final day, as well as maybe a little bit of a look to the future, is Sam Seaman to my left and Adam Harvey to my right. Um, gents, let's let's deal with the facts. I think what, we, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the football, we're going to have a little chat about Pookie, and then we'll, we'll maybe look ahead to the, the future uh, and what's going to come over the summer, which we all know is going to be quite a degree of change. Um, now the league table has formed, we can look at it factually. Norwich City have finished 13th. They finish in the bottom half of the championship table. They've lost as many games as Rotherham, who, of course, until a couple of weeks ago were battling the drop. Um, no wins at home in, in five, one win in 11. There'll be a lot of Norwich fans, Sam, who are grateful to see the end of what has been a pretty wretched season. Yeah, I think a lot of people surrounding Norwich City probably are quite relieved that that's the end of that and quite excited for what comes next because it has been an absolutely miserable season to be a Norwich fan, to watch the club on a regular basis and um, I think the opportunity of a summer of change which has been promised by obviously Stuart Webber and David Wagner provides those fans with a chance at a refresh and hopefully some sort of semblance of difference in what they see when they turn up at Carrow Road um, towards the end of the summer. So, yeah, I think it was a, a sort of game that every fan just wanted to be over, especially given they were probably all there just for that moment that came in the 82nd minute when Tamer Pukki was substituted and got the applause from the, the fans. Um, I think there was probably a number of fans that, when 1-0 down to Blackpool, who were already relegated going into the game, just wanted that moment to come because, uh, you know, we we spoke to fans before the game, anybody on social media would have seen and probably most Norwich fans will, will feel themselves that the main reason they were there on Sunday, on, on Monday, sorry, was purely to pay tribute to a man that's given them five years of service. But there's been plenty of Tamer Pookie content out there, so I'm sure... People are already excited and keen to hear about how things are going to change from now on. We know Stuart Webber is obviously going to speak to us and other media outlets on the 19th of May. So hopefully that's going to be mapped out and the plan is going to be given to fans as as soon as possible, really. And given they've already shown Ashley Barnes and others around Colney, um, the signs of, of that rebuild are already happening. So, yeah... I think it's appropriately forward-looking the way that the club is at the moment. But just to reflect for a moment on that terrible, terrible season, I think the the extent to which everybody just wanted it to be over with really highlighted how poor it's been and the fact they finished bottom half of the Championship. I don't think they can really argue with that. I think their performances this season have deserved that and their performance against Blackpool deserved the 1-0 defeat that, that they took. So... Yeah, generally, I'm quite pleased to have a little bit of a break from having to watch that Norwich team and hopefully the next one I watch will, will look and feel quite a lot different. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we went to the first game uh, against Cardiff in July, which was a 1-0 a defeat. So it's bookended nicely in that sense. But it kind of feels like 
uh, obviously we've been through a lot of games and everything, like lots of stuff has happened, but nothing's really happened at all is, is maybe the best way to, to sum it up, Adam. I mean, if, if we were to put like a, or give this season a eulogy or um, maybe something to, to encapsulate what it has been, if it had a gravestone, what, what would that gravestone read, do you think? It would probably depict the hotel we stayed in in Swindon, which was just very, very drab um, and just not memorable. Uh, there's nothing about this season really that sticks out to me. Maybe the win at Millwall or, or those kind of away games where maybe you had a little bit to cling on to. It felt like maybe the, the page was starting to turn. And of course, it hasn't ended that way. You know, one win in 11 is, is absolutely shocking for a club who had aspirations to, to win the league, of course. And that's not panned out that way, but especially top six. I mean, to fail to to reach that target feels like you know those in in the power have got to come out and obviously take you know they they've got to, you know well I suppose face up to that we're going to get that from Stuart Webber in a couple of weeks time and it's going to be interesting to see what he has to say about this situation you know I mean effectively it's been two seasons of failures particularly in the transfer market so something's got to change and it's a big summer ahead for this football club but yeah, in terms of this season, I mean, I think most fans will be glad to see the back of it just refresh and there's got to be some, you know, big energy next season, you know, from the start. It can't really be that Norwich City got off to a, a slow start again next season because I think what's already been a very toxic end of this season could get, you know, a lot, lot worse at the start of next season. Yeah, and, and, and for me, I think the the Premier League season was a failure, however you, you sum it up, the way that they packaged it, the way that they spent money, the way that they, they wasted money as well. But kind of a, the saving grace of that was, well, it was Manchester City or it was Newcastle or it was Man United. And it was it was clubs who, you know, Norwich City can't compete with on any level financially in terms of the, the level of player. So even though it was a failure and, and you can't project it to be anything different, I think you can kind of accept it a little bit more. What what you can't accept is is this season, the fact they finished, what, 30, 30 points, 29 points, I think, off, off Sheffield United, who, who finished second seven points off the playoffs. In, in reality, this season has kind of tracked and, and we saw it even, even in, in the times that it was good. I'm using inverted commas, but when it was, when it was good and they, they won, what was it, six on the, on the spin under Smith, they weren't playing well. Even when he was sacked and they were fifth, it felt like they were trending downwards. Even when David Wagner kind of got a tune out of them for a bit, that was another false dawn. So in the end, they've kind of ended up where, where it feels they've, they've probably deserved this season. But that's that's the crux of the matter, isn't it, Sam? What, what I said there in terms of the expectation that was attached to it, um, the aim was to win the league. I, I had it throughout the whole, pretty much the first up, but basically until about February, March time, players would come out, we, we want to get automatic promotion, we, we want to win the league. They've just fallen so far short of that. And and that is, is a lot harder to stomach this time around than it was 12 months ago, even though they got criticism then. Yeah, I agree, and I... I think part of the part of what's annoyed me almost about the season um, at Norwich is this mentality sometimes that oh well you know it can it can always get worse or other clubs have have got it worse and Norwich aren't in a particularly bad situation. It's it's all relative, and I think I said to you yesterday if there was a club that was expecting to challenge for the title in the Premier League and they ended up finishing 13th. You know, you look at the uproar there's been around Chelsea's season, for example. They're a club that wants to be competing for the sort of European spots in the Premier League and are, I think, you know, mid-table in, in, in the Premier League. Norwich are in that situation and yet because the Championship is like a almost a, a jumble at times and characteristically unpredictable, 
it feels like Norwich have only just missed out on their goal somehow, especially because over the last few weeks and months, David Wagner's been speaking about the playoffs rather than automatic um, promotion. But they've fallen so, so far short. The last time they went up, they lost six games, I think. And they've lost, what was it, 18? 18. 18 this season, which is the same as Rotherham, as you said in your, your verdict yesterday. And that's just absolutely appalling. When you look at the level of the teams around them as well. It's not even a, a strong championship that they're competing in. There are three good teams, maybe, or three teams that probably Norwich have the right to to finish below in that league, and yet they've managed to lose to 15 others. Um, very much also runs in the championship, and I, I think that's that underlines quite how short of their goal they've, they've fallen. But it also comes from complacency and the fact that they had one of the worst Premier League seasons that any team's had, in my view. You know, Park, the number of points they had, they perhaps managed to grind out results at times. But for me, last season was way worse than the 2019-20 season when they actually, after that relegation, they made quite a few more changes to their squad than they did this summer. So I don't think there was sufficient planning. I don't think there was the right attitude going into the season and the right understanding of how difficult it was going to be and quite how far off the top of the championship Norwich were. And they just sort of sleepwalked into this position. You know, how how quickly did they shift from expecting automatic promotion to hoping for the playoffs and then from that to finishing mid-table? I think it all was far too comfortable and they were far too comfortable accepting their own failures this season and that was and is probably the most disappointing part for me looking at it from a Norwich City perspective so yeah I think it has been really one of the most disappointing seasons we've seen from this club in recent times and picking themselves up from it is going to be really really difficult this isn't a a 2017-18 scenario where they accepted that they weren't going to be promoted and they told fans it was going to be a season of change. This was one where they expected to be in the top two and they finished 13th. That is so, so poor. But, um, you know, as as we've spoken about numerous times and as I'm sure the club will be keen to message as much and as quickly as possible, they will now be, be looking to move things on and looking to make a change. And I hope that comes in the form of fresh faces and hunger and desire and a team that knows what it is because Norwich fans haven't seen that for a long, long while and I think that's what all football supporters deserve, to be honest. This this season can maybe be encapsulated, Adam, by by looking at their results against the teams that have gone down. They they took um they took what uh, two points off off, uh, off off Wigan. They drew both games. They took three off Blackpool, beating them obviously away, and then uh, defeat at home. And they took two points off Reading. They're, they're the three teams that have uh, that have gone down this season. Um, I mean, the fact, just to talk about yesterday as a football match a little bit, I know obviously there was an emphasis on trying to get Temipuki a goal, which is actually how they conceded it. It was Gabriel Sarah trying to play a, what would have been a Hollywood pass through to him and then they get counted on and they concede and that that was the case. But you had, and I laugh and I, I'm laughing maybe um, because uh, the alternative is, is much worse, but... You had this kind of situation in the second half where they were trying to get Temi Buki to score a goal, and yet he was the only one that was creating chances for himself. It was um, it was a pretty sad sight, really. But but also, I mean, it's the fact that it's a team that got com- that got relegated and relegated pretty comfortably. They're going to be playing in League One this year. They've had four head coaches, and they probably should have beaten Norwich by by more than they did. Um, it was a performance that. 
maybe summed up where this where this group is and where it has been all season. It was. Um, I, I feel like I've used the word embarrassing a lot this year, but it, it was at times structurally there was it just completely non-existent all over the pitch, really. Yeah, it's, it's just the basics. I mean, the like some of the passing yesterday, it's like going out for you know straight out for a throw into Blackpool, and you just sort of put your head in your hands, and think how, how is this possible? You know, I mean, there's sides in sort of you know the non-leagues that can put a you know a string of passes together better than what Norwich were doing yesterday, and of course there's you know the mitigating factors of you know certain players are out injured, they they lack leadership. Um, you know, they probably lack a, a defensive midfielder. Wingers, I think, are, are generally very defenders, very, strikers. Yeah. <laughs> They're just poor across the pitch, and yeah, such a struggle watching it yesterday. I mean, if it wasn't for kind of the fact they were looking for Pookie, I think they'd have come in for even more criticism than, than what they got. Um, it can't go on like that next season. There's got to be a much, you know, tactically they've got to get it so much better. I mean, Wagner, I think, you know, next season. For, It'll be his squad a little bit more. I think the question marks around him and his tactics will certainly come under more scrutiny and, and under the microscope more than what. They what, do you, have. what do you what do you make of him so far? Because there, I think there is a what I would describe as maybe an uh, underlying narrative beginning to form, which maybe we expected when he was appointed that if he starts doing badly, he's just going to be kind of chucked in with Stuart Webber because of their relationship and the fact they've worked with each other before, which I think is is unfair of any individual, but certainly. At the moment, I mean, what do you make of the criticism of him? Because it is such a poor run. Well, it was such a poor run. One win in, in 11, no goals at home in five, which is basically, a, a, they've never done that outside of the top flight at Carrow Road before. Um, I think they, they did it at maybe Newmarket Road or The Nest, one of them, about 100 years ago. I mean, it's it's such an awful record that they've they've managed to, to get. So what do you make of him? Because there are seemingly a lot of fans now beginning to talk about him and his position. Yeah, I mean, any other club that you have a record of one win in 11 and I think your job's probably under under threat or if it's Watford, it's one in two games. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, when he came in, there felt like a real fresh energy. I think everyone was just sort of tired of, of the Dean Smith period. But, I mean, you've now got to compare the two. I mean, Dean Smith's record was poor, but Wagner's record at the moment is worse, which is... And I don't think the football's drastically improved. I think... At the start, yes, you know, the Preston game, the Coventry great game, you know, the game, we felt like we were seeing goals and, I don't know, sort of a lot like attacking football, which we probably hadn't seen at all since since Daniel Farker left. Um, I know Dean Smith, you know, is in, is in the Premier League, but certainly in the Championship, we weren't really seeing a, a sort of brand of football that I associate with Norwich, um, sort of, you know, nice possession football, attacking football. Um, but now I think you look at Wagner and his record it's understandable the question mark's going to be there I mean Stuart Webber I imagine will will be sort of fielding questions in a couple of weeks around the appointment of David Wagner and and the way it's turned out so far but I think he deserves a clean slate you know it's not directly his squad it's probably not a squad that can press like he wants to press Um, you know I think it took him a little while at Huddersfield to really get what he wanted Um, so I think he deserves a little bit of time but it certainly feels like if Norwich don't kick on straight away at the start of next season, that I think these question marks that are currently amongst the fans uh, are going to be really, really loud. And then, yeah, I think Stuart Webber and David Wagner will come under you know much more pressure than what they're currently under. Which is exactly where we were 12 months ago, which is great fun. Uh, it's, it, it is interesting on the David Wagner point, because I remember him coming in and he was asked a question about the squad and what he made of it. And his answer was essentially, well, if the club feel that, this group of players can do what I want them to do, then um, that's that. You know, then I am happy in, in in that to take the squad and try and do it. But it's it's become evidently clear that they're not really capable of of doing what he wants them to do. 
And also, I, w- I would say what Norwich fans wanted to see from this shift of coach, because you're right, a lot of the criticism of Dean Smith was, was on identity and, and the lack of, and the fact that there wasn't a recognisable and nothing really to get behind and, and that kind of struggle. But that's that's kind of the case with David Wagner, certainly over the, the last few weeks. And you can point to the, to the injuries, and, and, and maybe that's fair, because they were, uh, you're right, certainly when, when Kenny McLean was in the side, they had this recognisable, certainly when they built up, they'd have kind of a back three, and they'd build up in a certain way. And you could kind of criticise how they did that, but they were at least doing that. I would say in the last few weeks, that, that structure has been pretty much non-existent. And... So, I mean, in my view, he will he will be the head coach next season. So I don't really feel like it's a, a relevant debate. But again, just on, on, on that point, Sam, to kind of look forward, the amount of pressure that it puts on the start of the season and Norwich City starting the season well. And again, in and amongst mass change or what we expect to be mass change to an extent. We'll come on to that later. Um, it just... It just it's, it's clumsy. It's messy, isn't it? I think the, the way to, to, to kind of describe it and... Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, tactically, there are lots of fans asking questions about him, and and as as Adam said, there his records not not great. I'll ask you kind of a similar question. What what do you make of him and the debate surrounding him at the moment? Yes, yeah, a very interesting one. I, given the choice, wouldn't sack him now, um, but I also think he could and should have done quite a lot better. There is enough in that group for me. Um, given what they've shown on occasion this season, to have got into the playoffs. It wasn't exactly the most high-quality race for the playoffs that there's been, and there were certainly opportunities to get in there after they beat Millwall, obviously, and Blackburn. And if they had just been able to replicate those sorts of performances, even twice more in those 11 games, they probably could have got into the playoffs. Um, So I think Wagner probably has to take a good amount of the responsibility. He's not... You know, he's not done a Sam Allardyce and come in for the last four games. He's had a real good chunk with these players to work on them with his principles. And not only is it about philosophy and getting them to play your style, this is also, you know, being a coach is a game of getting the most out of your players. And for me, he hasn't got close to doing that so far. So as much as I would approach approach it with caution, and I wouldn't call for Wagner's head, certainly after the first few months, you mentioned that sort of cycle that they're now in and the fact that we're in the same position we were in talking about Dean Smith 12 months ago and Norwich can't afford, as I've written about, as you've spoken about before, to now have a situation where every season, in the middle of the season, they have a manager who has no accountability for how it ends because that's just going to end up in a vicious vicious cycle where they never really are happy with the person in charge and they can never really work out whether they've got the correct person in charge in the summer. So I think a lot of it depends on Stuart Webber's messaging this summer because he essentially now has two choices. He can try and alleviate some of the pressure on him and on the team right now by satisfying fans and telling them that things are going to be okay and that they're going to push hard next season. Or he can probably take a bit more flack and say, look, it's it's a 2017 scenario again and we didn't want to get here but that's where we are and give Wagner some patience and if he doesn't qualify for the playoffs or he doesn't get promoted this season it's not his fault because we are in quite a hole and we need to work as hard as we can to get out of that and that would alleviate some of the pressure long term but as I said I think for somebody under as much pressure as he has who's got it wrong for two years coming out and saying there's going to be another year of disappointment is 
quite a difficult task for him to come out and do. So there are two difficult choices for Weber to make. And I actually think what he says on the 19th of May has a huge bearing on how Wagner's time at Norwich will be judged. But for me, it probably is a case of give him time or sack him now because that vicious cycle is one that many clubs have got themselves in in the past and it rarely ends well with managers just trying as hard as they can to really establish themselves and learning in the middle of the season that they're not the person to do that. So, um, yeah, I, for now, would say Wagner not necessarily is the right man, but should be given the chance next season to, to try and prove that. Yeah, I, I, I can. I think you can. Look, I, I, I think if if you're if you're David Wagner at the at the moment and you lost your job as a result of of this run and you were at, you know if you were at another club, I think you know that that probably would be the case. I don't think you could have any complaints. By the same token, I think the last thing that Norwich City need, on top of everything else at this moment in time, is trying to get another head coach in, and that that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the right one. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's not something they're going to have further down the line. Um, but on top of everything else, they clearly feel that, and he clearly feels he has the answers to their problems. And I remember us talking in January, and I, I in particular, I can't remember what you guys said, but I'm sure you said similar things. Felt like a very, very tough job. Um, so I, I think you weigh it up and you probably say, on merit, I don't think he's quite shown enough at this moment in time. But by the same token, probably does deserve at least the summer and at least the pre-season to try and do it. But like I say, I think you, you and, and you said it there perfectly really, you can get caught in a vicious cycle so easily where you have a second half of a season where a coach just doesn't take responsibility for for stuff. It just, yeah, I, I don't think that really works. But, but what I would add is two head coaches have had a crack with this squad, Dean Smith and David Wagner, who've had successes before. They'll have successes after Norwich whenever they, they depart probably proves that the issues are a little bit deeper running than than just the head coach and it shows that you can't just chuck another uh, coach into the into the equation with the, the same chess pieces and expect a different result I think um, so there's that element as well I think he he feels that they need change so it's only fair for him to see that through because then if if it doesn't work that's kind of on him if that makes sense so that's that's kind of where I am with with him let's tie up the loose ends of this season then Adam by by talking about Temu Puki before we before we do a lot of forward looking which is kind of where I uh, I want us to head in this podcast because I recognize the last few weeks have been very doom and gloom um Temi Puki his send off 210 appearances 88 goals for the football club fourth all-time record scorer behind of course Johnny Gavin Terry Alcock and Ewan Roberts uh, didn't bow out with a goal didn't go quite the way he expected there was this wonderful moment. I think it was it was in, in the second half. I think about around about the hour mark where um, Callum Connolly for Blackpool was receiving treatment, and uh, the whole of the Barclay Snake Pit and, and and obviously the the rest of the ground as well decided to serenade him. And and the camera we we kind of where we're sat we have um, sort of we have uh, we're lucky enough to have access to replays and kind of live feed to the games. Um, and there was a shot of him and it was zoomed in and there was a redness around his eyes. The, the lip was quivering. And I, I noticed it's actually in the mix zone afterwards when I was putting questions to him. I asked him about that moment in particular. And again, the lip started to go and he, he, was, he was welling up visibly. It was an emotional day for him. And I, I think given the context of everything that we've, we've spoken about and the fan frustration, actually, I, I think the fans deserve a lot of credit for the way they approached it because they did park. I mean, we saw it literally as soon as he walked off. But they did park all of the frustration and grievances they have with 
the club and maybe specific people at the club in order to give him the send off that, that he deserves. Yeah, I think from minute one yesterday, you know, up until Pookie coming off the pitch, the fans were were top class. You know, he really got got the send off. Of course, what the club done before the game with the sort of you know the, the flags, obviously along come Norwich with the with the tifo. I think, and then obviously blasting out, you know, don't you want me, baby, as well. I think everything was just absolutely perfect probably until the end of the game I mean I sort of thought back yesterday about the Wes Houlihan departure and I mean that was in a difficult season but of course it was a season where Norwich messaged that you know it was going to be a project where this season obviously a lot of the fans after probably Pookie left started to depart Carrow Road and obviously we of course had that uh, the players all lined up and Pookie came through and there was no one in the stadium which just felt a little bit sad I remember you know Wes Houlihan got a similar treatment but I think this was before the game and of course got um awarded with a shirt by Delia and Michael at that point but that was probably the only twinge of sadness for me it's just the way it's it's ended on such a, a bad season and I actually thought uh, Todd Cantwell summed it up perfectly in a video he kind of said you know people shouldn't underestimate the impact that Team Pukki's had because I think in a season like this maybe it's been a little bit lost of course he's, he's only got 11 goals and he's maybe not been the figurehead that he's been in previous seasons but you know you look back to that that first promotion season in the championship the second promotion season in the championship and of course what he's done in the Premier League I mean you just can't understate what a player he's been for this football club and free transfer as well I mean it's just it's crazy I mean that day when he signed everyone of course was waiting for, for Ben Marshall which is you look back at the, those two you know players careers in, in a Norwich City shirt and, and how different that's panned out um I think for me, he's probably the best player I've ever watched for, for Norwich City, certainly in terms of striker. I mean, him and Buendia between them, I think that's a difficult debate. There's been there's been stars down the years, you know, the, the Madisons of the world and Grant Holt, he's an absolute legend of the football club. But for me, in terms of just pure instinct in, in front of goal, I think Timu Puki is, is top of the lot. I mean, especially as well what he's done, you know, I think... For me, without him, Norwich City wouldn't have those two championship titles. They might have been in the playoffs those seasons. They had other good players, but in terms of the goals he scored and some of the really important ones as well. I mean, the two in the in the derby against Ipswich, of course, the goal at Villa Park. I mean, you and obviously sat down with him for the club, and we looked at some of the the big goals in his Norwich City career, and some of those really stand out to me. And I think, particularly for like my age as well, it was, it was sort of a period when I was going to away games with with mates and. To me, he gave me some of the best moments I've, I've had supporting Norwich. So I'll forever be, you know, grateful for for Timo Pukki and, and Norwich City being a, a relationship and sort of a, you know, it's flourished in a way that you know has been quite beautiful. Yeah, agreed. And, and there was a a point, and, I, and I've only ever felt this with him. And maybe this is this is why I feel so strongly, certainly in my lifetime, that he's he's the best striker that Norwich have had in terms of quality. I think you can make an argument that Grant Holt had a bigger impact in terms of the way the club moves when it was at a low ebb and obviously dragging it up the divisions and he was kind of the poster boy for that. I think that's that's a valid argument. But in terms of quality, to score 11 goals in both of those Premier League campaigns in pretty poor teams, the fact he scored uh, the goals that he has this season is, is relatively remarkable. That, that for me is why. But there was a stage... Um, maybe a couple of years ago now, where he would run through on goal. And you, you could have looked away because you said, wow, that's a goal, they've scored here. Certainly behind closed doors, that was the case. And and for all the talk maybe about how brilliant Emmy Buendia, and Emmy Buendia was brilliant, so let's say you're right, you know, people are right to make that. But Temi Puki made him more brilliant because the passes that he would put he was putting through was, was leading to goals. And, and likewise, the goals that he scored were, were because of Emmy Buendia. So that relationship is it was quite something. And there was a moment actually after he... He left the pitch. Um, I was kind of looking at it and I was thinking, 
goodness me, this is kind of what we're left with now. And that's that's not wholly positive. But yeah, Sam, I mean, final word on, on, on Temi Puki, because I'm aware he's been spoken about a lot this week. So I don't want to make this a, a Temi Puki podcast, um, which, you know, we could quite easily do and would be much more enjoyable, probably. Um, just yeah, give us your, your reflections on how he went off. I mean, that, that site at the end, I've, we've got a, uh, just a paper in front of us here. And there's a picture of him after the the players, which a lot of people won't have seen. So I will tell them what happened. Uh, the players gave them a uh, gave him a guard of honour. It was pretty much in an empty stadium at that point, though. So maybe a tinge of sadness with how it's ended and how the season has ended. But for him, probably the day he would have wanted in terms of sentiment. Would you say beyond obviously the result and whatnot? Yeah, and I was really really pleased that he managed to get that moment. Um, I think the goal would have been would have topped it up and topped it off. Sorry, and it was quite clear to everyone in the stadium I think how much not only him but his teammates the crowd were desperate for that goal to come and unfortunately it didn't but I felt personally that that time that you spoke about when the Blackpool player was down injured and um, the Barkley were singing his name was probably the moment that every player wants when they leave a football club and probably at that at that time he wasn't thinking about the last two years probably at that moment his Mine was cast back maybe even to his first season at Norwich when that that support was behind him and that connection was there and the team was there to support him as well and it was just an unbelievable time and I think, as Adam said, anyone that was a Norwich fan in that period has Tamer Pookie to thank for so, so many of those memories and, you know, it's it's also easy to talk about the, the emotional side of it and what a legend he is and what a character he is and how how impressive he's been as a person but also as a footballer just an incredibly intelligent player it's not just about the fact that he was making Buendia's assists by finishing them it was also the fact that those runs are rarely coming from any championship striker I don't think is looking up and seeing Dennis Rebeni making such clever um, darts between defenders and knowing the exact perfect time to to find a yard in the box and finish that and that's probably the, the issue that the strikers Pookie leaves behind face. Adam Eda, to me, and Josh Sargent both look like very physically strong, athletic players who can clearly hit a ball hard and can find the net when they're on form. But I really struggle to see those two players gaining just that knowledge, that almost inherent ability to find space in the box. And teaching that is really, really difficult, which is why I worry for Norwich next season um, and I, I just I just think back to those times under Daniel Farker because it's rare that a player and a manager suit each other so well but he was the absolute perfect striker for exactly what Daniel Farker wanted to do and um, there was no player that was as good in football at the time I don't think that would have been as good at finishing off those moves that Farker wanted his his teams to to create so when I remember Tamer Pookie as a Norwich player, hopefully it's in the 2018-19 season because that was when, for me, it really peaked. In, in the modern history of Norwich City, there hasn't been a team that's been as attractive and it certainly wouldn't have been possible without, without Pookie. So, yeah, I think Norwich fans will be really, really grateful for what he's given them and what Wagner said in his pre-match press conference was true, that with time he'll only grow in terms of his legendary status and um, yeah to leave a club as the fourth top goal scorer to get the reception he did is what any player wants and it's certainly what Tamer Pookie deserves in Norwich 
Yes, it's a shame that he he wasn't given a performance that uh, that, that he deserved in in terms of on the pitch. I think there was someone someone who uh, who, who works at Norwich um, told me a few years ago now uh, about Daniel Varker and Temi Puki that uh, if if they'd have had Harry Kane in in their obviously uh, Harry Kane of present, not Harry Kane who was on loan at Norwich, if they'd have had him in in their ranks, Daniel Varker would have still have gone with Timo Puki because of uh, how how much he liked him and how well suited he was to his style of play. So. I think that that probably rings true to what you were what you were saying there, and he is um, he is exceptionally modest. One of the most frustrating players to interview. I remember speaking to him at Blackburn after he scored his fiftieth Norwich City goal, and at various points where he's broken ridiculous landmarks um, along the way or surpassed various legends. And you try and get him to speak about it and giving himself a little bit of praise, and it would always be deflected elsewhere. Um, and uh, yeah, he. Uh, he, he was frustrating in that regard, but it's a it's a testament of, of the man really, who so modest, so family orientated, really quiet, but not not shy, just 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 quiet and 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 quite reserved. And um, there's not many strikers that you meet who are like that. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see where he ends up. But I think a lot of people are, are just kind of left feeling incredibly grateful and and all the better really for having Temi Puki having played for this football club for such a prolonged period of time and uh, he'll be uh, he'll be sorely missed I think next season which probably lends us on to speak about change and and, and this summer um I I'm really quite worried for Norwich City and uh, probably as worried as I've been in a long time about where they're at at this moment in time um and I, I recognise that can that can feel quite like um, can feel like hyperbole, but I just feel at the moment the where they're at is so for me at the minute I think they're showing every trait of a team that comes down from the Premier League and gets stuck in a bit of a rut, and that's what I'm concerned about at this moment in time. When I when I hear and again it's not I don't it's not a criticism of David Wagner, but when I hear people talk about uh, the need for mentality to me just just kind of means like older experienced players like 30 plus year olds and I, I, I haven't watched this Norwich City team a lot this year and felt oh yeah what this team needs is a load more 30 year olds like the core of it Tim Krull who's played a lot of games this season I know he hasn't been number one in, in the second half of the season but you know he's, he's part of that group Grant Hanley Kenny McLean Onel Hernandez Temu Puki like they've they've got a, a, a considerable portion of players who are who are in that age bracket. I'm not criticising players in, in that bracket because they can be extremely valuable, but I think it 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 just feels to me a little bit synonymous of a club that um, is on a bit of a negative slide when you consider the recruitment. You know, a few years ago was so forward looking and so different and so positive. Um, I just fear for them, and, I, and look, I, I'm, I'm preempting a summer window. So hopefully, at the end of the summer window, I'm feeling a, a lot better about them and where they are. But the downward slide of it, the traits that they're showing, the words that people are using, I feel very concerned. But but also the fact that what we've seen this season, so many disconnected sort of elements of the of the football club, to then have a situation where. You managed to pull that all in the right direction. Where you know we had the scenes at West Brom of, and again it's optics of Andy Hughes speaking to the fans and obviously chance for people to to lose their jobs and for change. I haven't seen any examples slash many examples of a football club that goes from that position to then having a summer window to then everything being okay again. And I just fear the way that they are, and, and this isn't me saying they're going to go down or anything like that, but I just fear 
chuck in a, another summer where they're going to churn a bit of the squad, that you end up kind of in a, in a period where it needs a lot of time and it needs a lot of work. And I'm not sure that there's the patience or the willingness because that belief in the people who are overseeing it just isn't there at the moment. Um, which is why when Stuart Webber comes out to speak on May the 19th, there's going to be such a, a prominence on it and such an emphasis on what he says exactly. But for me, it just... And I've used this word before, it just feels a little bit of a mess and a, and a little bit broken to the point where there's so much repair that needs to be done. I'm not sure they have the time or the willpower or the goodwill even to do what they need to do, if that makes sense. It feels to me now like we're we're entering a period of real stagnation, if if not worse. And I think that's that's the fear for where I am. And obviously, hopefully, we see a summer window, <clears throat> excuse me, that injects optimism back into the place. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Where, where are you at, Adam, really? Yeah, for me, a lot of it is probably a lack of, of sort of churn in, in recent seasons. It feels like this squad's been together for four or five years now without really any major additions. Um, certainly sort of since like the 1890s season, they had quite a churn of those players leave and it feels like we've not really seen anything fresh since. Um, the early signs of players they're being linked with don't really fill me with a lot of confidence, if I'm being honest. Um Personally, I'd like to see them almost go down the route where you kind of get players that you don't really know what you're going to expect and if they turn out to be something really special, you know, almost what Burnley have done this season. I mean, no one would have heard of half the players they've brought in and they've just been exciting to watch, almost a fresh of a breath of, of fresh air. And I don't know, it almost feels like Norwich are kind of going down, potentially going down the other route this summer um, where they could end up in a situation where they could become the next Stoke of the Championship or, or the West Broms of the Championship where maybe they've got a lot of experienced players that have been there but there's not really that sort of or those players that maybe get bums off seats and get fans excited and, and they buy into sort of a an exciting youthful kind of squad with maybe that sort of little bit of experience around the sides just to sort of drag them over the line in, in really big games where lots on the line um, yeah I'm with you I, I, I'm I don't, I, this summer for me is quite big in terms of one, the players they bring in, two, the fan feel around it, and then three, obviously they then got to kick on under Wagner straight away. And I'm not sure that this is a, a big enough summer to, to be able to do all of that and get it all completely spot on. And as we've already said, you know, I think if they don't don't start the season well, I mean, I think it, yeah, it's it's going to be a really interesting few weeks. It's a big few weeks in Norwich City's well, sort of recent recent period of history. And yeah, I think certainly on the transfer front, I'm concerned with, with a lack of funds and potentially losing some of the bigger, better players, maybe. Um, I'm not sure there's much optimism for, for next season. And yeah, well, how that's going to leave this football club and where is a, probably a little bit unanswered at the moment. Yeah, and, and I think it is, is that. As I said, they're kind of showing all, at this moment in time, and, and of course they've got a summer window, I guess, to to change it and to change the direction and feeling around it. But at the moment, it just feels like they're showing all the hallmarks of a club that comes down, loses its way a little bit. We see this all the time, cycles. Clubs get relegated. They go chasing promotion. They lose any kind of identity they have. They play over the odds for players. They can't shift players. It's a, it's a cycle that Norwich got stuck in before Stuart Webber came in before. And, and they kind of get stuck at this, at this level. And that's, that's kind of where it feels at the moment like it's heading. And, and this downward momentum, it really feels like that's hard to stem. And like you say, at the moment, it feels like Norwich fans are being asked to put a lot of faith into people who've kind of presided over this position being reached in the first place. And you look at what they've done in recent years, 
there are other clubs who have taken better footballing decisions than them. And I think this is this is the issue that I have with it. And um, I just don't think that there's that... So in 2017, if, if we compare with that, because that's the last time Norwich were in this situation, the reason they got through it was because there was fresh ideas, fresh voices. This time there isn't really any of that. And it doesn't feel like they're forward-looking. It, it doesn't feel like they're coming up with new solutions to, to, to the issues that exist. It all feels... It feels like a sort of chain of events that I've seen happen before and that I've seen happen negatively. And look, maybe this is just me being very uh, emotional and um, kind of attaching a lot of what we've seen in the latter part of the season. But especially kind of what they've done off the pitch as well in terms of, you know, and we could get into various strands around this, but I'm talking more specifically around the finances and, and the loans that they've taken out. Again, just just sort of the the things that they're doing, the decisions they're taking, the way that it's unfolded on the pitch. It's just a lot of alarm bells ringing Sam at this moment in time, and that's why this summer, as Adam says, feels really significant. But but also they've they've got to kind of change this this feeling and change, I suppose, this sense of of momentum. They've got to try and swing the pendulum back into their favour because at the moment there's probably not many people that that believe that they can change the the course of events to such an extent that next season ends with kind of champagne bottles popping and, uh, and 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 celebrations it doesn't feel like that at the moment yeah i'd agree with that and i think the lack of change and freshness that came from david wagner's arrival was a bit of a worry in that sense i think probably the club recognized that there was a lot of negative momentum and that it was on a slide and in order to introduce that feeling of a fresh idea and a fresh start and a new set of principles they brought in a new head coach to try and give that sense of a reset and maybe they had that for two weeks but now we're straight back to where things were I think had Dean Smith still been in the job certainly in terms of the atmosphere around the place and the feeling around the football club and the team and trying to arrest that and turn it around with mostly the same people involved behind the scenes will be very difficult as you said in 2017 it took a root and branch overhaul of the club with a number of new staff arriving in very high and important positions in the football club so that's Stuart Webber's biggest task for me this summer to actually make it feel like something fresh and something new um, and that's probably why they need to make so many changes in the transfer market and probably why the younger fresher players and the hungrier players feel like the sort of players that Norwich fans want at the club right now because you look back at that sort of group that 2018 group and it was a number of players they'd never heard of and probably no English football fan had really heard of but had something to prove and had years left in their career to to go and achieve things and you don't see that with the likes of Ashley Barnes or maybe some of the other players that they they might be targeting from those sorts of experienced championship ranks so I feel the sort of experience approach you spoke about and the mentality focus there seems to be around where Norwich needs to improve at the moment probably is slightly misplaced if you want that overhaul, fresh start feeling. But I think we would probably argue there's also a need for pragmatism and evaluating where things have gone wrong and trying to address those problems. So it's striking that balance but yeah it's hard to see these fans getting behind a club that 
continues to go in the same direction for the next few months. So there certainly needs to be a feeling of change more than anything, which feels strange to say because people quite often are adverse to change and people don't like it, um, especially in these parts at times, I think. So to be calling for that, there must really be something drastically wrong. And for the number of people that have asked for that overhaul and that change, I think there's definitely a recognition that things need to be reset and that the direction of travel needs to to move um but quite how that gets achieved we'll see it's probably part of why Stuart Webber is coming out and doing that media because he wants to give that plan and wants to assure fans that things will change but it all comes down to actions and we can use words as much as we like and we can talk about what Norwich need to do until we see some signings in the door and we see the atmosphere start to change and those within the club making that happen um, it's hard to really be positive about because there's so much work ahead in the summer as David Wagner has spoken about and they're yet to do any of it so well I suppose they've, they, they would argue they've started weeding players out but in terms of who's going to come in and provide that fresh impetus we're yet to know any concrete names so I'm looking forward to seeing which of those players come into the door early because that could well set the tone for, for how things look from now on. I just remember 12 months ago, it was, uh, Dean Smith would, would come out a lot and would talk about, oh, we need more athleticism, we need more athleticism. And then they had a summer window to add athleticism and, and didn't. Um, David Wagner came in in January and spoke about the need for more energy. Now suddenly it's kind of it's shifted again to mentality. I, I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just kind of <laughs> worried about that, I guess, because it's, it's, um, it's an interesting cycle they've gone through. For example, I remember asking Dean Smith a, a question, certainly would have been in the first portion of the season about leaders and whether he felt they had enough leaders and he said they didn't. Uh, and again, but that, he didn't necessarily feel that was their biggest issue. He felt it was athleticism and, and kind of their inability to, to respond to, to teams that, that pressed them and, and stuff like that. And you've got a, a manager here who's kind of made a career on counter-pressing and, and, and being very energetic. And suddenly it, it doesn't really feel like that's where the conversation is at. And they've still got a core and, and, and the base of their squad is, is quite young. I mean, you looked at the, the, the team that, or you look at the team that finished that game on, on, on Monday. And I think um, Onel Hernandez was, was the oldest player by quite a considerable margin by the end. So maybe that is an argument that they need a, a few more of those kind of senior pros. And again, I don't want to preempt the summer window because what, what's said publicly is, is often quite different to what actually happened. So... We do want it, we, and I don't purely want to kind of make it sound like my worry comes purely from the recruitment either. I, I just feel the general trends of everything and um, the noises and the decisions that are being made feel like a club that kind of gets stuck. And I, I, I'm desperate to be. I really want this this summer to be the one where I'm proven wrong and I come out of it going, yeah. Do you know what? There was a lot of worry at the start of the summer, but actually they've been able to do this and they've done this and they've done this and all of those things have changed the page and changed the narrative. Um, but it's a, it's a lot easier kind of said than done. And I think that's that's kind of where that worry sets in because actually the amount of clubs who have been in this position who go on to actually regress further than, and, and things get worse before they get better. And it's, it's a difficult cycle kind of every year that you don't get promoted. It becomes harder to do it again. And um, yeah, 
I don't know if that makes sense, Adam. That's, that's I kind of I'm, I'm kind of thinking out loud a little bit, but that kind of explains where where I am with it, I guess. I don't yeah. know what I want you to respond to with that, but you know, yeah, if you've got I, anything to add, I mean, just talking about kind of the levels of risk. I think. I mean, when Stuart Webber first came in, he, he went out into markets that Norwich have never explored before, brought in players that Norwich have never had before. You know, there was influx of, of Germans that have never Norwich have never really had any any German players in the history and. It, obviously, it was more low-level risk, but I think since obviously the Premier League failure and, and sort of the amount of spending and the risk that was maybe associated with bringing in the likes of a, a Jolis or Rashica, and the way that's failed, I think obviously there's then been probably in Stuart Webber's head, it, it's more easier to then go out and say right, we need some experienced Championship operators, you know, and Ashley Barnes, he's, he's been there and done it. But to me, going back to the point about David Wagner, I think you can get mentality and hunger out of players that are probably six, seven years younger than Ashley Barnes, who will probably bring some excitement for, for you know future years. I mean, Norwich have had success in League One, League Two, those kind of players, you know, Pilkington, Elliot Bennett, Grant Holt, Wes Houlihan, all players that were much younger when they arrived. They had a hunger, they had a desire, they wanted to get to the Premier League. It's new for them if they can get there and they can try and prove themselves against, you know, the elite of, of English football and world football for that matter. For me, Ashley Barnes, with with all due respect to him, decent championship operator, but where's the hunger? I mean, has he really got any hunger to go, right, yep, I'm really excited to get Norwich back to the Premier League and by the time we get back there, I'll be 34, 35 and probably considering, you know, other options, maybe retirement sooner rather than later. So I just don't really get where the direction is. It feels like for me that Stuart Webber's got in a car and he's been like, I don't really know where where I'm going to go now. Where before, probably back in, in 2017, it was like, right, this is the destination. This is where we're going to go. And, you know, everyone in the football club just bought into this one, you know, bubble, almost like a mantra. There's like, this is what we are. This is where we're going to go. And everyone was sort of, you know, rowing in the same direction. To me now, it just feels like Wagner wants this. Weber maybe wants this. The fans want this. No one's really buying into anything. And that, for me, is is where my concern for this summer and the future of this football club, certainly in the short term, lies. Um, Because, to me, it just feels like they could go down a route where they could end up with situation where like you know teams Cardiff loads of sides have dropped out of the, the Premier League they've maybe not really known what they are and they've gone and bought lots of you know experienced championship players and then they've say go back to the point about you know regressed back to to levels where maybe they were years and years and years ago and I don't know to me that that's where my biggest concern lies at the moment that Norwich are going to end up in that kind of group of teams where they maybe just need fresh blood and, and someone with a fresh idea to come out and say, right, this is what we're going to be from now on and, and everyone buys into it. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that's that's one of the things that I, when I talk about things being disconnected, that, that is the point. There's there's nothing that fans are really, like what, what, what are fans getting behind? That hasn't been, and maybe this is a, a, a comms point more than anything, but what they did so successfully in 1819, in this is how Daniel Farker is going to play. This is the way we're going to recruit. We're going to bring young players through. There you go, and, and Norwich fans went, yeah, okay, we'll buy into that then. And I think even if even if you said to them, and I'm not saying this is the case, but even if you said to them, we're going to bring Tony Pulis in, we're going to get a load of six foot five players, and we're going to play four five one every week and hoof it long to some target man. You don't like it, but you know what they're going to do, and I think that's that. So, so that's that point. But but also on the mentality point, I haven't watched. So attacking is probably a, a, a really good example. I haven't watched Norwich City over the last five Carrow games. Sat back and gone. I'll tell you what they need here. If they had a bit of mentality, they might create a chance and score a goal. Like I, I, I'm just not thinking that. So, and you're right. Like you don't need 33 year olds 
to come in and, and bring a mentality. You can get that from a 24-year-old. It's about character and personality that, that you recruit. And they may well do that. And, and they may also probably... And look, absolutely, is there a place for Ashley Barnes in this Norwich team? Absolutely. Um, is there a place for four or five Ashley Barneses in that profile of player in this Norwich City team? For me, no. Um, but again, I'm, I don't want to preempt some of recruitment that may look very different. But it's not just about recruitment. I think it, the wider situation and, and the other kind of aspects of this that that make me slightly concerned. But that's just my view and my, my opinion. Lots of people, I'm sure, will be feeling optimistic and, and feeling positive for the summer ahead. And hopefully I will join them at some point. And, and like I say, maybe this is a hangover a little bit from the season. They're all various aspects, but um, that's just where I am at, at this moment in time. So, um, Sam, to end, to end the pod, I mean, give us a bit of optimism. Give us a bit of positivity heading into the summer. Why is Norwich City's 2023-24 campaign going to be so different to the one that we've just that we've just witnessed it's the worst question you've ever asked um uh, young players some young players <laughs> Liam Gibbs won the uh, young player of the season and will likely that's be good, there yeah that's exciting Bally Mumba oh Adam there you go I love he's Bally been player of the season yes, he's, by far. Been, he's been way better than anybody <laughs> um, currently at the club but yeah I actually I'm so glad Adam brought that up because I really really like Bally Mumba as a, a player I think he's technically very very good and there's not been enough focus not even close to enough focus on just being technically good in the last few years there's been way way too much cliche diving and looking for mentality and um physicality and all this as answers for where things have gone wrong and I think a lot of people have lost focus and let it slip on the fact that actually quite a lot of the time the best football team and I've I've used Bally Mumba now as a point to just get on my soapbox and, and complain about her one of my, my main bugbears but I think there's been too much forgetting about what actually wins football games and the value oh, of Sam Allardyce well, no, <laughs> no it's not it's, I, I, in in fact I would suggest I'm doing a sort of reverse you're, you're going to have a podcast soon called No Tippy Tappy Football <laughs> no it's the opposite it's the opposite this is what I mean um, it's more like no mentality or something like that that's, that's going to be my podcast because I feel like there's so much focus now on or or when things go wrong there's so much focus especially in English football on mentality and physicality and well, this is the kind changing of, kind of the room. point that I was trying to make and it's Absolutely. just like, it's so dull like it's not all about the changing room sometimes the players that can kick the ball where they want to kick the ball are the best players and the players that you want in your team and I'm not saying everyone has to be 5 foot 4 and only capable of of passing nicely you, you 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 need a team that has balance but also not all of Norwich's problems are going to be addressed with um physicality and experience and well, to be honest like words. 12 months ago they said about athleticism I'm I'm still not sure they've got that no. so like if that's the case and we come out of this summer and they've they've spoken about mentality and it's like oh well, hang on we still haven't got athleticism oh, and we don't really have mentality that's kind of the trend that I'm I'm getting at really yeah no exactly but at least says. Anyway, I, try, I told you to be optimistic. It's Bally so Mumba. It's it's Bally Mumba. There you go. Is that your answer? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Adam, but <laughs> yeah, that is that is the best answer. So, what are you going to do? Anything else, guys? Uh, anyone wants to 
wants to bring up? An away trip to Plymouth. I'm, oh. I've never been to Plymouth. I've so never been to Plymouth. That's probably the most exciting thing on the... It is, but can we set conditions around it? And, and that we say, if it is a midweek in December or something, that's not exciting. But if it's if it's like, oh, the opening day at Plymouth, that I'd, get, I'd be well up for yeah, that. Yeah, I think fish and chips down, you know, down the front at Plymouth would be, yeah. would be absolutely wonderful, you know. I can imagine there's some nice hotels down that part of the world, so... Yeah, I'm I'm quite excited for that one. I think that that'll be a new ground for me. So that's probably one of the things I look out for is, is potential new grounds. I mean, there won't be any others. I don't think next season. So that's probably the one I'm clinging to. Of course, the, the Derby's back. I mean, whether that's a positive or a negative is a completely different argument. But you know, if Norwich get the success that they've they've had in recent times, then that would be great. I'm probably not as confident as as years gone by. But you know, stranger things have happened. So yeah, I think I think. Probably Barley Mumba's return is otherwise the, the one thing that's maybe I'm clinging to. I think he's loved down in, in Plymouth, so um, hopefully he can have a similar impact when he comes back here. I think we saw glimpses of it, of course, in in patches during his actual spell at Norwich, you know, when he was kind of getting little cameo appearances. Um, I sort of, I remember, I say that, I think I spoke about it a few weeks back, and there was the, the ball across for the goal against Swansea a few years back behind closed doors. And I think from that moment on, I thought there's definitely a, a player there that can grow and develop into to one that could potentially earn Norwich City some money next season if they're still stuck in the championship, um, you know, down the tail end of the the league, then he could be a, an asset they could sell. And, you know, that's probably what I've got to cling to. So, um, yeah, that's that's about it for optimism from me. I'm just looking forward to having a bit of a, a couple of weeks off or a few weeks, well, a month or so off, actually, with, without any games. And, and maybe maybe next season, you know, we'll all get that sort of buzz at the start of the campaign when they're at Plymouth away. For the, this is going to be our year and we're going back to the Premier League. Yeah, and, 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 and that's it. As the curtain falls, actually, it feels like actually it's the beginning of, of something and it and needs to be the beginning of, uh, of something new. And that is going to be where, obviously, a lot of the uh, kind of conversation and discourse is at across the summer. And we will, of course, have it all across our channels. I want to say thank you very much uh, for listening to the Pink and Podcast throughout this season. I, I respect and understand they haven't been the most upbeat listen in the world and we, we try our best to uh, to maybe try and uh, put a, a balanced slant on things but there are also points where you just have to say it as it is and and um, you know <laughs> share what your view of, of of whatever that situation has been in time and uh, I like to think we've we've done that fairly and we've we've tried not to um, to kind of um, I don't know pull the wool over anyone's eyes um, as to as to the situation and uh, and that's that's why I've kind of said what I've said today so um, let's hope that this summer is, is a positive one for Norwich City. We'll, we'll try and keep the podcast semi-regular, whether they'll be weekly or not, I don't know, but we'll certainly try and, um, uh, and keep them as and when they're relevant and as and when there's, there's stuff to talk about. And I suspect there will be quite a bit to talk about um, throughout this summer as well as obviously Norwich City embark on freshening the squad and uh, freshening the club, I would even say, after what's been a, a, a season where you know it's felt pretty draining for, for everyone, I would say. So... Uh, big summer concerned we'll have you covered across the Pinkin channels of course we've got the Pinkin Plus app as well do come and give us a look if you're yet to do so you can get a free trial for that um, and it's uh, 2 99 thereafter so give that a little, uh, a little look as well over the summer because that's where uh, all of our content will be based but other than that have a brilliant summer thank you very much for listening try and switch off and forget about football for a bit uh, even though I'm not sure how possible that will be given how uh, the summer pans out but Uh, It's going to be an interesting one. Thank you very much for listening to this pod and all season long. And we'll see you again very, very soon.